Okay. Good morning and welcome to Embrace. We are so glad to have you with us. If you are visiting, this is your official welcome. If you have not seen someone to welcome you yet, welcome to Embrace. My name is Tanya Torp, and I'm one of the associate pastors here. We are very glad to have you. You will see that pretty soon the pews will be full because we're not a little on-time church all the time. Um, but we're getting there. If you look in your pew, though, there is a connection card, and we would love to connect with you. So if you would put your information on there, or if you have a prayer request, we have a dedicated prayer team who loves to pray for your prayer request, and they keep them confidential. Also, uh, you can give. Part of our worship is actually giving, and so you'll see the tithe boxes right over here and back in the back. And lastly, there is an announcement sheet in the back. So, and to my friends online, there will be, I will post announcements in just a few moments, but there is an announcement sheet and also an email that we all get. So if you're interested in that email, make sure you put that on the connection card. I am going to turn it over to our worship team this morning, who is going to enter us into worship and a call to worship and then prayer. Good morning. Let's call, let's call ourselves together for worship today. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I invite you to stand and join me as we sing together this morning. There is power, power here in this hour, this hour. We're all together, together, waiting here as one. There is power, power, here in this hour, this hour, we're all together, together, waiting here as one. Oh, hear the sound from heaven, Rushing wind, oh, we're calling for revival. God, let your fire fall again. It's burning in my soul. It's burning in my soul. And all your sons and your daughters. Dreaming the dreams of their father, seeing the sights and the wonders, the kingdom of God. Oh, 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 oh. hear the sound from heaven, oh, 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 oh. a mighty rushing wind. Oh, 
burning in my soul. I cannot contain it, this fire inside. I cannot contain it, so let it shine. I cannot contain it, this light of mine. It's burning in my soul. Hear the sound from heaven, oh, the mighty rushing wind, oh, we're calling for revival, God let your fire fall again, it's burning in my soul, it's burning in my Listen, you can clap because God's here. And if you feel like clapping, clap for him. I'm going to do it right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's confess our sins. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Will you join me? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our Amen. Well, good morning. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. I just want to say welcome to each and every one of you. Um, what we do each week is we always take a little bit of time just to share um, with some people around you. And I know for some of you, that might feel like something very scary. And you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I came here just to be here and not to speak to a soul. I'm sorry. Uh, we do believe it's good to talk to at least one or two people while you're here. Some of y'all may love this time. It's Tanya's favorite time in the whole service. Um, I'm sure you're not surprised by that. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, in the middle a little bit. Um, but it's always good to connect a little bit. And so what we do, we just um, give you something to share. And so we just want you to go around and introduce yourself and then also share something you're grateful for this morning. We also give space to share a lament if you have one. A lament is just something that is not going so well, something you see that's kind of upsetting you, maybe um, some kind of injustice that you've seen in the world this week or tragedy. Um, I'm thinking of this horrendous earthquake that has taken thousands of lives um, across our country uh, or across the world, and, and I'm just thinking of those kinds of things as well. If you want to share some of that and bring it to the community, you're welcome to do that as well. But y'all can have a seat, and y'all can just turn to... 
maybe three or four people, groups of four or five, um, and just introduce yourselves and share just for a few minutes.
give thanks to be with you today. So grateful for just the amazing community of Embrace Church. I know those of you who are here uh, understand that. You understand what it means to be around folks who care about you. You understand what it means to be in a community that is marked by the love of Christ. You understand what it means. Uh, you've got teachers and pastors who talk about loving one another, lifting up the new commandment of Jesus. And this time together as we share our joys and we share our laments is a part of that journey of faith. One of the most important things for us to remember is that the Spirit of God is always with us. He's been with us since the beginning, and He always will be. And the Spirit of God is uh, marked by every single one of us in here, manifested His creation. So when we talk to each other, we share our love, we share our sorrows, we share our joys in a very real way. We're sharing Jesus with one other. We're looking him in the face because he's inside of each of us. And we know that no matter what we're going through, that he's there with us. And this song kind of talks about that. Hope it's a blessing to you this morning. As we continue to worship, just want to invite you, if you'd like to stand, you don't have to, but it's a part of your posture of worship, you're most welcome to do that. I hope you'll sing with me. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the sea. Should I ever need reminding? How I've been set free. There is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. Ah, yeah. All my dead left for dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. Thank you, God. But should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. I know I will never be alone There's another in the fire Standing 
Space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. I know. with me. Get on your feet. There's nothing in 
Sing it out.
sing one more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Amen. Amen. So I invite y'all, y'all can have a seat if you would like. Um, I'm going to dismiss our children for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. So let's give our kids a hand as they come forward. I'll just give a couple of instructions in case you're a, a parent who has, has a child here and maybe it's your first time or you haven't been in a while. Um, we have a children's ministry called the Wonder Room. That's every Sunday except the first Sunday of the month. And they'll be going upstairs with leaders. If you are a new parent and your child is four years old through fifth grade, then you can walk up with them and make sure they get signed in and you, they have all the right paperwork, um, and uh, they'll, they'll be doing that. So you can talk to Pastor Christina. She'll be up there with them if you need anything. Well, it is really good to be together today. Um, like I said earlier, my name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to welcome each and every one of you. I'm, uh, I really just, you know, I cherish these moments we get to spend together each week. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'd have a hard time uh, making it through the week if it wasn't for uh, our weekly gatherings where we get to come together. And so thank you all for building me up and, and lifting each other up each and every week. Um, I have a couple of announcements I want to share specifically. We don't always share um, all the announcements each week, but I have one that I want to mention because it's kind of a new exciting thing that we're doing. And then after that, I'm going to invite uh, Dustin up in just a minute to make an announcement related to the United Methodist Church and some stuff related to that. But first, um, I'm very excited because we're going to start a book study in two weeks. And we did one last year on a book about the Bible, and this year we're going to do one um, that's about the gospel, and it's a book called uh, The Very Good Gospel, How Everything Wrong Can Be Made Right by a woman named Lisa Sharon Harper, and I have read a little bit of this book so far, and I love it. I think it's great, and basically, if you all, someone actually came to me recently, and they asked me, they said, what is the gospel? Like, if you had to articulate what the gospel is, how would you? And I'm not going to try to do it right now. Because I, I realized in that moment, like, that's a hard question just to answer right in the moment like that. Because the gospel is really big. It's, it's, it's huge, right? And there's so many different facets to the gospel. And Lisa Sharon Harper is really, in this book, is trying to really understand what the gospel that Jesus preached was. And what it is about. And what this gospel means for us. I feel like in my just upbringing and throughout my life, I kind of only got part of the picture of what the gospel is, and, and I think it's way more. I think often what I was taught is, you know, it's like I give my life to Jesus, I'm saved from my sins, when I die, I get to go to heaven, and, and that was kind of the picture that, that I understood for most of my life. But over the last uh, few years, I've learned and seen that the gospel is way bigger than that, and the gospel has implications for an entire world, and really for how we live in the here and now. And so Lisa Sharon Harper um, really seeks to recover what I would say is the whole gospel. 
um, that reconciles kind of that social justice aspect and that personal salvation. You find maybe in churches at times, you go to a church and they're all in on the personal salvation. You've got to give your life to Jesus. Altar calls every week. And then you go to other churches and it's like, we're all about social justice and getting out there and doing the work, you know. And, and often, like, you don't hear both of those messages at too many places. And, and we're trying to, to really realize that the gospel has all of that included in it. Like, we are saved personally. Like, it is a, a wonderful thing that Jesus has come into my life and changed me. But it's way bigger than just me. Uh, the gospel is not just for me. Jesus is not just for me. And, and it's much bigger and more holistic than that. And so she really tries to bring those two kind of streams of, of Christian ideas about the gospel together. And so I'm really excited. And what I hope is that through this book study, it's going to generate some really good conversation for all of us about the gospel and what it really is and what our role is now as Christians as we are, are tasked really to share the gospel and to disciple people in the gospel. And so um, over the summer, we're going to be doing a big series in the book of Romans. And when people have portrayed the gospel, um, Romans is often a book that they use. Uh, they talk about the Romans road. Have you ever heard of that? You know, if you haven't, that's okay. Uh, that is a small picture of the gospel, but not the full thing. And so I'm really excited to have some conversation about the gospel before we gear up for that series in Romans over the summer. And so this class will meet in person before church at 9 a.m., and if you cannot participate in person and you want to participate online through Zoom, then my hope is that we'll be able to offer it on Zoom. The plan is to do that, um, and I'm going to try to figure out some creative ways to do even better than we did at that last uh, year when we did uh, the Bible study in kind of a hybrid mode. And so that's going to start in two weeks. It'll run for five weeks, and so the goal is to read this book uh, through the course of that time. And there will be a reading guide to tell you what to read. I have copies of this book here already this Sunday, um, and if you want one, um, I would love if you could give $10 to get one, um, because they did cost us money. If you cannot afford a book and you want to participate, I will give you a book for free, all right? But if you can afford to pay for it, please do, because that will help make it possible for others uh, to participate that maybe can't afford a book. But let me know after church if you have any questions or thoughts about that. Um, I had hoped we'd have a sign-up sheet, and I don't know if we do or not, just to be honest, because I have not looked. Um, so do, we do not have a sign-up sheet. And so I will have one next week, and if you know you want to participate, tell me or tell Christina, and we will write that down, okay? Sound good? All right. If you want to check out the book and just look at it, um, I'll put it up here um, on the steps here, and you can look at it after church is done. I'm, I'm going to invite Dustin Pugel to come up, and he's just going to give a, a real quick update um, with us, Dustin, <laughs> Dustin is a, a fellow leader here at the church, um, become a good friend of mine over the years, and uh, he's going to give an update about some stuff about our denomination. I've been getting some questions recently. Um, some of you all have been hearing about churches that are leaving the United Methodist Church, uh, voting to uh, disaffiliate uh, is the wording that, that has been used, and so we wanted to just clear up a little bit of confusion about that um, here, and we'll have more to share in the upcoming weeks about the discernment process we've been in, but I'm going to let Dustin take over from here. He is our lay delegate, uh, and so he goes with me to annual conference, and he gets a vote and all this stuff. It's pretty cool, um, but he loves, he loves church polity, all right? He, he loves it, and so um, he is really excited to share this update with you all. Who doesn't love church polity? 
Uh, before I start, I'll say I have read that book, and it's phenomenal. It's really, really good. Um, but I read it all by myself, and I had no one to talk about it with. So please read it so that I can like hear your thoughts, too. It's really good. Um, so uh, in my notes here, I have, I am Dustin Pugel, and I'm the lay delegate to the Kentucky Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, but John's already beat me to that. So uh, I just want to say uh, a couple things about what John mentioned. Uh, you may have noticed as well that some United Methodist churches, including some in Lexington, uh, have been voting to disaffiliate, which just means they've decided to leave our denomination, the United Methodist Church. Um, and this has been really recent. And the reason that this is happening so much right now is because in 2019, the General Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is sort of like our uh, global legislative body for the church, uh, provided a special change to our um, what's called Book of Discipline. It's our kind of like our rule book that allows churches to leave uh, and keep their building at the same time, but only through the end of this year, 2023. Normally disaffiliation, so before 2019, then after this year, doesn't allow churches to keep their buildings without having to, to buy the building from the denomination. Uh, in order to leave under this particular special provision, though, it has to be because of an irreconcilable disagreement with the direction they believe our denomination is moving regarding LGBTQ plus inclusion. We thought it was important to let you all know that our leadership team is not considering disaffiliation right now. What we are discussing instead is discerning how we can best love and support our LGBTQ plus siblings inside and outside the congregation. And we hope we hope to complete our discernment process by June of this year, and we'll have a lot more to say about that uh, here pretty soon, including how we can involve the entire church in, in that discernment process. In the meantime, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or other members of the lead team. If you're on the lead team, can you raise your hand in the room just so folks know where to go? Great, excellent. There's more of us than that, so they're in trouble because they didn't show up this morning. So please don't re hesitate to reach out to them or to staff, and we would love to have uh, more conversations about that. Thanks. Thank you, Dustin. And we actually have an uh, email for the lead team set up. It's leadteam at embraceyourcity.com. You can email that. Um, you can also just email me directly at john at embraceyourcity.com. Both those emails come to me anyway, so, you know, I'll get it regardless. Um, but you can email us if you would prefer not to, you know, have to talk in person or whatever. But um, we're, like, very open to, to you all and want to talk through and, and let you all know. But we're going to be providing more, kind of a more robust update on where we are right now in our discernment um, here soon. But we wanted to go ahead and just clear up any confusion around that uh, for this morning. Um, what we're going to do now is enter into our time of prayer. And so I'm going to kneel here at the altar. If anybody would like to join me, you're invited to do that. Um, you're also welcome to pray in your seats. I'll give us a little bit of space just to be silent. And then after that, um, I'll pray a prayer for us, and then we will close by saying the Lord's Prayer together, and that will be on the screen. So if anyone wants to kneel at the altar, you're invited to come. Let's just take a moment just to breathe.
For some of you, this may be the first moment of silence you've had in a while, and I encourage you just to cherish this moment. I just like to focus on my breathing. Breathe in. Breathe out. God, we come to you this morning, and we are so grateful for your love and your care for us. Today, Lord, we just want to lift up your voice, or lift up our voices to praise you. We affirm this morning that you are the wonderful creator, the one who created all of this and set this world into motion. You are the one who sustains life here on earth, even as evil forces are working to bring about death and destruction. We affirm, Lord, that you are the almighty and powerful God that also walks among us and gets into the mess of life with us and is not afraid of any darkness or any pain or suffering. We affirm this morning that you are the good shepherd the one who cares for the sheep, the one who would even leave the 99 behind to go and care for the one that is lost or hurting or experiencing pain. God, we thank you that you have a special place in your heart for those who suffer the most. And Lord, we pray that you truly would be near to the brokenhearted, and that you would save those this morning who are crushed in spirit. I know that some of us are dealing with the pain and grief of loss of people that we love, and I just pray, Lord, that you would be near to them today. For those that have lost people in the last few days, for those of us who have lost loved ones in the past months and years, We carry them with us, and we carry that grief with us. And, Lord, we ask you that you would be our friend when we are feeling hurt or alone or just feeling sad. God, you are also a God who gets very upset when your people are mistreated and hurt and abused and oppressed. Lord, we affirm and we see that, Lord, you have a righteous anger against injustice. And I pray that that would burn within us as well. 
and that we would let it be turned into something positive and good for our communities, that you would light a fire in each of us to stand up and come alongside those who are suffering and in pain. Lord, today we are grateful for so much. Your spirit is moving in so many ways all throughout our communities and the day-to-day and the routine and the raising of children, the caring for sick babies, and the tending to, to gardens and shopping for groceries and working our jobs and all the things, Lord. We know that your spirit is working in the midst of the ordinary and the mundane, and we praise you, God, that you are there. And Lord, we also see that your spirit is working in miraculous in powerful and uncommon ways, Lord. And we, we've seen that at work just down the street at Asbury over the last few days. And God, we are grateful for just the love and the, the embrace that, that those students and many others are experiencing right now as they worship you and connect with you through prayer. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you do for us. And we ask, God, that you would be present to us this morning that your Holy Spirit would work here, that we would feel your presence in the big ways and in the small ways. Now we join together and we pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to continue our series this morning that we've been looking at um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we'll be talking about the Sermon on the Mount this week and also next week. And then we're going to move into something different for the season of Lent, which is that uh, uh, 40 days leading up toward uh, Easter. And so this morning, we're going to look at another teaching from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Before we do that, I want to tell you about uh, an experience I had when I was in college. I attended college at a university in uh, South Florida named Palm Beach Atlantic University. Has anybody, I've, I've mentioned Palm Beach Atlantic here before. Palm Beach Atlantic is in West Palm. It's right across the intercoastal waterway from Palm Beach Island. Um, a lot of wealth, a lot of uh, just really um, obscene wealth in many ways in Palm Beach. And you also have a lot of extreme poverty all right there in that area. Palm Beach Atlantic, I will say this, and I'm just being, I'm stating the facts. It is a Christian school that loves, like, capitalism and loves wealth building. All right, so if you visit this school, when you get there, you're going to see large, beautiful buildings, mostly all of them named after white millionaires and possibly billionaires who donated lots of money to the school. One of the required courses when I was there at Palm Beach Atlantic was a course that taught the biblical foundation for capitalism. And, and it, it, each year, it, it was a course called, um, I can't remember the name of it, but we all had to take it. Every year, the school would host what they call an American Free Enterprise Day. 
And it was a celebration of the free market, of wealth building, of business success. And at this event, they would give an award to an individual who has earned a lot of money through business and through enterprise. And I'm sure that person also had given a lot of money to the school. At my graduation, you know, I, commencement speeches are probably my least favorite thing in the world, just to be honest. Um, and this one was not great. Uh, they invited the owner of the Orlando Magic to give the commencement speech. And the only qualification he really had to do that was that he was a wealthy, successful person. I'm just being honest. <laughs> Palm Beach Atlantic is much like the rest of our world. That the people who have the most value, the people who are respected the most, the people who have the honored place at the table are the wealthy people at the top of society. They are the ones who are seen, are recognized, are noticed. All the while, there are countless poor people who possess incredible strength and character and compassion and courage who are overlooked, ignored, and left out. And I wonder why our Christian schools aren't naming our buildings after them. Preacher Jerry Taylor pointed out that there's a pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. And I don't know if y'all have noticed this before, but there's an eye on top. And he just asked an interesting, provoking question about it. He says, is this the all-seeing eye of justice? Or is it the blind eye that's blind to the needs of the poor who are being crushed at the bottom of the global pyramid? The man who donates millions out of his billions gets buildings named after him, while the black mother who gives her life and resources to serving her neighbors and her family doesn't even get noticed. But here's the beautiful thing. God notices, God sees, and God doesn't have eyes like the rest of the world. <laughs> We've got to remind ourselves of that all the time. <laughs> and Jesus really makes it plain as day by the way he lived his life, by the people he spent time with, by the folks he lifted up and said, these are the ones you need to model your lives after. So much so that he raised up children and said, you actually need to be like them if you want to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.1 says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. During Jesus' day, most people were poor and they were struggling. All right, the way in that part of the world, the economy, there were some that had a lot and most everybody lived in poverty. All right, it's just the facts of the day. They were unseen by the Roman Empire and they were unseen by some of the Jewish leaders who had kind of sold out for wealth and power. In the ancient Near East, in the first century, um, they lived in what they call an honor-shame culture. And we've talked about this many times here in different sermons. But there were things you could do in that culture to bring honor to your family and to yourself. And there were things you could do to bring shame upon your family and yourself. And so many people were always thinking about how they could kind of up their honor score. How could we get more honor from our peers? Some of the religious elite uh, tried their best to be honorable in the eyes of their peers. And so they would look very generous. They would do things to look generous and look also very religious. These folks would often give their money away to the poor, which is great. Uh, they would pray real earnestly in public. When they fasted, some of them 
Uh, um, according to Jesus, were looking awfully pathetic when they fasted so that people would know that they were fasting. These actions would reinforce the social hierarchy that they had in place. For instance, giving this way in public, showing that you're giving to the poor, it really would reinforce the division between those who have and those who don't have. The poor would feel indebted then to the generosity, and then they would feel like they owe something to these wealthy people. We call this giving with strings attached, right? You give because you're expecting something in return. Here at Embrace, we try always to remind ourselves that like when we do for others, it's not we're doing for someone. We're actually, it's mutual. We have so much to learn from one another. And I might have money to share, but the person with no money might have something else that's even more valuable that they can share with me, right? But these folks, many folks, and we do it today, giving with strings attached. So almsgiving, which is giving to the poor, prayer, fasting, they were all integral parts of the Jewish faith, which is beautiful. But what happened is many people had got in kind of a bad cycle, uh, a bad habit of doing many of these things in public to get that kind of honor on themselves and, and doing it also in ways to make themselves feel better about who they were. And so Jesus saw that harmful cycle going on, and he tried to get to the root, and he tried to say, hey, we need to break this harmful cycle, and we need to change. And so remember how Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. First, he affirms the Mosaic law, then he radicalizes the law, which is getting to the root of the law, to the heart of the matter, and then he offers a transforming initiative for his followers to take to break that harmful cycle that had developed. And so I'm going to read um, three different teachings, and they're all very similar, all right? And so he's going to affirm the Mosaic Law and the, the practice of almsgiving and prayer and fasting, but he's going to point out kind of that harmful cycle that had developed, and then he's going to offer a transforming initiative to kind of break that harmful cycle. And so let me read these for you. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And these are three kind of distinct sections, but they're all related. So Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then I'm going to skip to verse 16 about fasting. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their 
their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So as I read these, you may have noticed some similarities between each of these sections. There's actually some similar wording, um, and they're structured in the same way. So they really all fit together as part of one teaching. And each of these teachings is very similar. So Jesus describes the folks he's talking about as hypocrites. Now, we, we know the word hypocrite, right? We've heard this word many times. We've all been hypocrites at different points in our lives, and we all have that as part of who we are even now, I'm sure. So in the ancient Greek culture, a hypocrite was a word used to describe an actor in the theater. Theater was very popular back then. It was a form of entertainment. And so a hypocrite was used to describe an actor in the theater. And so if you think of it that way, a hypocrite is someone who plays a part. They're someone who plays a part. What they're portraying on the outside is just a performance for an audience. It's not really who they are. Jerry Taylor, the same guy I quoted earlier, says, In life, the hypocrite is a person who masks his or her real self while he or she plays a part to capture the undivided attention of his or her audience. And so it's a person who masks their real self while they play a part to capture the attention of their audience. So a hypocrite is putting on a show in order to get positive attention from other people. When I see politicians host prayer breakfasts and events for pastors, I worry that perhaps they're just putting on a show to get positive attention and support from the religious people, right? When people donate lots of money to the poor, yet support policies and agendas that perpetuate poverty, I'm concerned that they're just putting on a show in order to get positive attention from others instead of truly caring about the poor. But before I can get too prideful, and perhaps you as well, have you ever masked your real self, playing a part in order to get the attention and approval of others? Let that sit just for a moment. Today, the addiction to likes and views and retweets and shares and replies and comments, it's real. And that's dangerous. I find myself at times looking or picking up my phone and looking at the likes and shares, and I'm like, man, my post got shared a bunch of times, you know? I did good. I did good. And it feels good for a moment, but it's fleeting, right? I think Jesus would say the same thing to us. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And like he said, like, they've already got their reward. And so you get that little jolt of energy, right? You get that little feeling or rush of dopamine in your brain and you feel good about yourself. You got your reward, but it's not even a good reward, is it? Because it always crashes and it never feels good for very long. So we keep going back to it, right? The hypocrites like to put on a show for everyone. The folks Jesus was referencing were giving money away, but they were making a big deal out of it and doing it for the wrong reason. They wanted the glory, attention, and praise. 
They were praying as well, which is great. We ought to be praying. But they were doing it in front of others to get glory and attention and praise. They were fasting, which fasting is a spiritual practice we should all bring back into our lives. But they were fasting and they were doing it for the wrong reasons, to get glory and attention and praise. And what we do when we act in this way is we're robbing God of the glory God deserves. When we give in this way, pray in this way, fast in this way, we are stealing God's glory for ourselves. We are making ourselves into an idol asking people to worship us. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Jesus offers three transforming initiatives to break the cycle of pride and self-worship and inequality. And he challenges us to do all of these things in secret. In secret. To pray in secret. To give in secret. To fast in secret. Now, I don't believe he's saying we never ought to do something good in public or ever pray in public because we pray and do good things here in public all the time. In just a few verses before, he said, I want you all to be a city on a hill, right? I want you to be visible out there so people can see you. But I think it's really what he's doing is he's striking at the heart of all this, and that's our motivation. What's our intent? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is all this for? Is it for others or is it for God? Is it for ourselves or is it for God? And I believe, and I'm on my journey to this. I'm not, I've not arrived. But I believe when we reach a deep level of spiritual maturity, then we will be able to perform for an audience of one, right? That we will be able to do good work because it's good work, because it's true, because it's right and good, and that's what God wants from us. We won't worry about what people say or if people see us because we know that God sees us. He, sees, he says in each of these sections that our Father sees what is done in secret. And so you don't need to put it out there because you know that God sees it. And this is honestly a deep place of spiritual maturity. And it is very hard to get there. It takes work. It takes intention to get to that place when we don't worry about what others think. And we don't need praise and recognition from others. We need to train ourselves to perform for that audience of one. And we can begin this training by doing something very simple, just doing good things in secret. It may sound simple, but I think it's transformative. Some have called this actually the spiritual discipline of secrecy. The spiritual discipline of secrecy. Today, in our con- with our constant connection and our deep desire to share I think this discipline is relevant maybe more so today than any other time in history. And it could be very helpful for us. Do something right and good. That's just the right thing to do. It is a good thing, a loving thing. And don't tell anyone about it. Now, if we practice this discipline of secrecy, then I believe we can grow in our faith. We can grow in our connection to God. And we will become more like Jesus. Now, I do want to say something about being seen because every single one of us has a desire and a need to be seen by others. It is important to be seen and noticed and loved. I want people to see good things in me, and I need that in order to, to thrive in this life, right? I need people who affirm me and, and, and mirror back to me the good things in our lives. Often children, when we grow up and we don't have that experience, it can really impact us in negative ways. We need that. And I also understand that 
that if you've been rejected um, at school or at home, often like the best place you can find to be seen is online. And a lot of our young people have found community online. I saw a, a young girl told me recently, uh, she said that my, my school friends aren't very nice to me, but the online friends I have actually care about me and know who I am. And I'm able to be my full self there. So I get that. I'm not like totally ragging on the way that we like to share and be seen online. Sometimes that is the place where we can be ourselves, and I hear that. We all need to be seen. We need loving people to tell us we matter, to help us figure out who we are, and to speak truth to us. People who affirm us and acknowledge the good in us. But the danger, I think, in human relationships is often that there are strings attached. We have to often earn each other's love, and we can never fully be sure if someone's going to love us back if they knew who we were, right? It says, I read a quote talking about covenant and the way that God makes covenants with us and we make marriage covenants and other covenants with other people and a true covenant is where we are fully known who, as who we are and we have no fear because we know we're going to be loved, right? And that's hard to find that in human relationships. We often have to impress others to be noticed. We believe people won't like us if they knew everything about us. Some kids grow up feeling like they have to be perfect in order to be appreciated and valued in their families. And the beautiful thing is that God does see us. God notices us. God loves us. We don't have to do anything to earn this love. And it's so hard for us to understand that. We literally have to do nothing to earn love from God because he just loves us. And I, it's hard to even understand that kind of love. It's hard to understand that. You don't have to do anything to get God's attention. God already sees you and he knows who you are better than you even know yourself. God sees you. God loves you. And if we follow Jesus' instruction to get in that prayer closet, right, and to seek after God through prayer and through fasting, we're going to grow closer to that heavenly parent that we have. And we're going to grow in our knowledge and acceptance of God's love for us. And, and this is something I try to lean into all the time. That if we can grow in our knowledge and love and our acceptance by God, that God loves us 100%, nothing we can do to, to have God love us more or love us less, then we're not going to worry as much about what other people think of us. We won't worry as much about getting recognition and looking good or being seen by others because we know that we are loved and seen by God. I want to share a quote in just a moment by Mother Teresa, and this is something that I've, um, I, my wife made me a thing that kind of said this many years ago when I was a youth pastor. I put it up on my wall because it's something that I want to remind myself of every single day. Now, Mother Teresa was someone, I believe, got to a point where she was performing for an audience of one. She lived to honor and glorify God. Now, she wasn't perfect, but I believe she loved the poor because she knew that loving the poor was the most true and real and most honest and, and life-giving thing that she could do. And she knew that God had called her to do it. Now, I want you to listen to what she said. She said, if you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. I love, she says, you know what you are. You are a child of God. You know, the people who have the place of privilege in God's kingdom are the humble, 
who know who they are, and they truly do live their lives for an audience of one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. We're going to share communion today, and if you didn't grab a communion cup when you came in, then there are some in the back. Um, and Tanya, are you going to grab the basket back there? Tan- Pastor Tanya will have the basket, and she'll, she'll give you one if you need it. But we take communion every week, and one reason we take communion every week is because we need a weekly reminder of God's incredible love for us. That we did nothing to earn what Jesus did for us. We didn't do anything to earn that. Frankly, we, we deserve the opposite of what God was willing to do for us. And when I take communion each week, I'm just reminded so much about how much God loves me. If y'all could bow your heads just for a moment. God, we thank you so much for meeting us here in this time. God, I pray that in this kind of attention-obsessed culture we live in, Lord, that we would do all we can in our power to train ourselves to, to only care really about your attention and God, you would give us the courage to take the humble path and to trust that you're going to be there on that path with us. That you're going to be there supporting us, encouraging us, affirming us. That you're going to be there telling us how much you love us, how much you believe in us. God, we we believe in you, but God, I'm grateful that you believe in me. And that you speak those words to me. And remind me of who I am. That I'm your child. And I pray that I could rest in that. In that knowledge. That deep knowledge of your love today. And I pray that for every single person here today. They could rest in that deep knowledge of your love. And God, we pray for our siblings out at Asbury. Who have been worshiping all week long. And. And we just pray, Lord, that they could rest in that deep, deep knowledge of your love for them. And that that love would transform them from the inside out. And that that sure foundation that they develop and experience this week, Lord, that that would be the foundation that leads them and propels them out in their communities to spread your light and love to the forgotten and overlooked places across our city and our communities around. I pray that you would sow hearts of justice, hearts of love and compassion in all of our lives, Lord. Lord, we uh, need you so much today. I pray you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice and whatever people have at home this morning, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that you would fill us up in a fresh way today and we would leave your change because we've encountered you. Lord, we love you and need you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I encourage you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sin.
invite y'all just to spend some time. Y'all can remain seated for, for a little bit and just really connect with God. If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to do that too. If you'd like to kneel at the altar, you're welcome to come forward here. If you'd like prayer, then um, there'll be some folks from our prayer team. Taylor is back there and Pastor Tanya is back there as well. I'll be up here if you'd like to pray with me at the altar. But let's just spend a little time connecting with God before we uh, head out today. just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. And though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. 
It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. I hope that God uh, spoke to you in some way and is moving in your heart in some way. I encourage you just to try to hold on to whatever God may be doing in your spirit this morning. Often the good things we, we forget and we let go of and we kind of lose track of. And we hold on to all the bad things, you know. And so um, there's something good going on in your heart this morning. Talk to somebody about it. Journal about it. Um, pray on it. Um, so that you'll hold on to some of those good things that God's doing in your heart um, when we gather together on Sundays. I'll remind you before you leave, if you do want to participate in this book study and really dig into to the gospel and what it means for us, then um, I invite you to, to join me for that. And just try to let us know um, if you're going to participate. And if you want a book um, this morning, then I'll be happy to give you one if you want to go ahead and get started. So if you're able, uh, let's all stand together for our benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.